This is the spirits of New Mexico and Dean Mark bringing us in with It's Amore. You're in love with it. It's wine. It's vino. And uh, you know who else is in love with it? Uh, Eric and, uh, well, the host of our show, Jim Hammond. He loves it so much. He, he, got, a, he got a doctorate in, in wine and uh, he shares his knowledge with you every single week. And we're going to have some Thank fun <laughs> with some old Zin here in the Kiva, old vine Zin. And um, Jim is, uh, is here on a Saturday evening. How are you, Jim? I'm great. Uh, after, after having a couple of samples of this particular wine, even better. Uh, so that was appropriate. Uh, Vino from Dino, uh, is, is terrific. Uh, he's always been one of my favorite singers anyway, and that's one of my favorite songs. You know, he sounds a little bit tipsy on that recording too, if you ask me. But he didn't drink, did you know? You know, he, 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 he was that, that, that was just his, uh, part of his persona, but, uh, he was uh, he was great anyway, um, and it's not inappropriate to have something um, Italiano going on there since uh, the grape that we're sampling here, um, its its sister in Primitivo, uh, in the Puglia area, is also um, a wonderful wine. In fact, I have some coming in very soon. Uh, some Primitivo coming in that was scored 98 points. Excellent. Uh, that I got. So I'm looking forward to that coming in so that I can uh, try some of them. And uh, actually, I, I, it already has come in. I take that back. I was actually just there jumping at the bit waiting for the wines to come in online. Happens sometimes you have to do that. Anyway, the area we're talking about, though, is Mendocino. So, so that's California, right? Not Mendocino, Italia. No, uh, although it does have that kind of feel to it, and uh, and in fact, uh, not not uh, ironically in this case, uh, a lot of the um, grapes that, in fact, this very grapes that went into this particular wine might have been uh, ones originally planted by the uh, Italians uh, that came here. And a lot of them were planting a lot of grapes. Not in Anderson Valley, uh, if you're familiar with that, but uh, they certainly were finding warmer spots, obviously, for this particular grape. 
So if, if you're familiar with Mendocino at all, you're probably familiar with Pinot Noir and Chardonnay, the two classic grapes that are probably the two most popular and most planted ones there uh, for red and wine. And uh, Anderson Valley, which is a, a, a very significant area. It's a gorgeous area that I've, I've been uh, through sampling the, the various wines there. And, of course, anytime you go there, you're going to focus on the Pinots and, and the Chardonnays. Uh, because they they're so great there. It probably they probably runs in the uh, city water, right? If they have a tap for the wine out there, they probably do. If 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 they did, I'm I'm sure a lot of people were taking that home. <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, the um, so Anderson Valley uh, goes into Yorkville Highlands. The Yorkville Highlands actually is a warmer area, and and you will see some other. Uh, good wines there. You'll see some Zinfandel uh, and Bordeaux blends there. The other area you'll you'll see, which we're going to talk about in a little bit detail, is the Mendocino Ridge. Uh, but, but so we don't get too far ahead of ourselves. So the the particular wine we have here, because I know you're all eager to find out, is a Hawley H A W L E Y Old Vine Zinfandel Mendocino County, 2017. Uh, this one is a uh, 15% ABV, so it's a uh, Seriously healthy wine, and it also has wonderful acidity, very crisp wine, even for that alcohol level. And um, that's part of the nature of the growing area where this comes from. So, you know, there's all, all different styles of Zin, as, as we'll get into in a bit. And uh, so this is one style I like a lot, and it's one that if you were sampling it at blind, you might say, this is a Zinfandel? Really? Uh, it is wonderful. The aromas that come off it right off the bat are very intense, wonderful, and uh, the uh, acidity is there. So you, you have that nice Christmas going on, um, and it it's just we've been enjoying it here, and it's pretty exceptional. I'm pretty. So, I'm enjoying it. What what might you mistake this for if you if you didn't know it was a Zen right away? Uh, but well, actually, that's a good question because it's closest to that. I mean, a Petit Syrah would be a little heavier. Uh, Syrah would probably be about the closest one that one someone might guess. Okay. Because Syrahs usually are a little more acidic, also a little bit more balanced. So that's that would be a, a possibility. But of course, we we psalms uh, we, use the deductive tasting method to try to figure these things out. So we might not have been. Um, as confused as other people. Follow the science once again, right? You got to conduct those experiments, have your Absolutely. hypothesis. And that, that's right, and you have to have the pair review. Review, right. so <laughs> all part of the, all part of what we need going on there. So this is um, uh, again covering up just a little bit of history again back. Uh, backing up. So, uh, again, this grape, we discovered the origin of it uh, from a lot of DNA testing in the 1990s. Now, epilography, of course, is used to identify different species of, of plants, in, including uh, grapes. So you have, you, you look at the type of leaf, the leaf structure. Uh, you you lo look at the, the uh, growth of it itself. You look at the clusters. Uh, you look at the individual grapes. Uh, but that by itself is not sufficient because a lot of uh, wine, because they have evolved together and are mutations of each other or clones of each other, they may still seem, seem to be the same until you do a DNA. Uh, then you get the exact information. So the uh, UC Davis, no surprise, 
uh, had worked on this, and they actually discovered it required a lot of investigation. But when they finally came up with the fact that the they traced the origin to a 90-year-old grapevine from the garden of an elderly lady in Split, Croatia. Okay. Wow. Uh, I, can, I just, just imagine she's going out, out in the yard and saying, what are you, all you people doing here? What is all this pictures you're taking? What is all these samples and things you're taking? Oh, my vines. They're saying, oh, 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 we just discovered. This is really exciting. Uh, anyway, however that happened, um, that is, in fact, I, I checked the actual location where Split Croatia is, and it's a part of a little peninsula that if you went down from there and headed south, uh, you would eventually get to Puglia, Italy, which is the the heel of the Italian boot. It's the heel only in in uh, physical terms. It's actually a fabulous area because of the the amount that the sea surrounds three sides of it. Uh, so it, it makes for amazing wines. And in fact, like I said, we're going to have a Primitivo coming in soon that we'll be doing on the show that I'm really excited about as well. So, and in fact, the Primitivo... So once that was discovered, a lot of the clones, the Primitivo clones, have been grown in the in the U.S., particularly in California, which is which is where, of course, this very American grape in its or origins uh, has been placed. And uh, the one difference is that uh, is the um, Primitivo. Uh, I've tasted wines from the same vineyard. Some done with Zinfandel grape, some done with a Primitivo grape, and they are so different in taste and flavor. The uh, the pr- Primitivos are actually are closer to this this wine. I think where a little bit more acidity and and uh, the structure is different, uh, and they're they're both amazing. So, uh, Castoro Cellars, for instance, which is an Italian family that's been there for a long time and has done. Lots of different Zins. They usually have about six or seven different Zinfandel. That tells you how much they love that wine. After they planted the, the Primitivo there, and I sampled some of that and bought some of that and brought it home, uh, they quadrupled their acreage of Primitivo because everyone was loving it. So it it's unfortunately it would not be easy to grow here because it's very early ripening which is not a good thing for here because we have our that frost that hits in, in uh, late April, early May that uh, would probably be really not the best thing for the grape. Yeah, the, uh, f- the freeze in 2020 froze uh, grapevines at my house, Ooh. actually. Oh, really? A whole vine died from a, from a frost in 2020 in May. Ooh, yeah, yeah. It, it could be pretty nasty. So, it's But in California, of course, it's a... It, it is one that they absolutely love. So you, you'll, you'll encounter a lot, probably as much from California as you will from Italy uh, of, of that particular grape. But you'll still get some really good prices on the ones from Italy, so don't forget those. Anyway, uh, so as time went, so this is from the 1850s. Uh, so as the gold rush was going on, uh, some cuttings of this Primitivo that came originally from, uh, from New England, that originally came from England, that they had sourced from Croatia. Uh, so that that was the circuitous route that it, it came out there. But once the focus wasn't on gold anymore, it was focused on wine. And of course, a lot of the Italian immigrants who came here and, and others who love these kind of uh, wines definitely were planting them everywhere, including in Mendocino. Okay, so Sonoma, Mendocino um, have some very old ones. The oldest ones are in Amador County. 
And in fact, that was one of the early places where plantings occurred. But in all of them, we have some really outstanding. And, and of course, when you have an old world, uh, old vine, the, the thing is your production levels go way down. If you're committed to making money from wine, you rip these out and you start with fresh ones. Uh-huh. That's what people do. Uh, but if, on the other hand, you're committed to quality, you're going to look at this and say, oh, well, this is getting better and better. Yeah, we're getting less yield. We're going to have to charge a little bit more for it. Uh, but just the same, people are going to pay for it because the quality just keeps going up. So that's that's part of the, the deal with this. And, of course, like I said, these are somewhere between 60 and 80-year-old vines uh, that this came from. And so it, it's had its footprints from Italy all the way to the people who grew it here. No substitute for quality. No, there is not. So the um, different classifications of Zinfandel, let's just cover that briefly. The first classification we have is the white Zinfandel. Now, you might recall this actually came about from, uh, was actually uh, Bob Trinchero, who is very well known in in the Zinfandel world. At his Sunner Home winery, he was... uh, he was actually doing the Sagnier process, Sagnier process, that basically is a bleeding, is French for bleeding, which basically means he took the free run juice and set it aside to concentrate his Zinfandel, which is something they do a lot in Europe. So it's it's a fairly standard technique. And he said, Well, I've got this juice here, I might as well sell it. Because he was making a dry wine, it didn't really interest anyone. But when he had a stuck fermentation in nineteen seventy five, and that could have been because of the type of yeast they use or a cold or something else going on. It had a fair amount of residual sugar. And White Zinfandel took off from there. In fact, mm. they dedicated most of their stuff to that. A lot of it is, is planted in the Central Valley, which is a very low-quality area as far as grapes. I mean, they, they make a lot of grapes. They have high yields, which, of course, re- re- reduces the complexity and intensity of the grapes. And But for White Zinfandel... It's no one seemed to mind. I see. Okay. Uh, okay. And so it still outsells Red Zen six to one. However, uh, all, all of us that love the Red Zins still aren't complaining because the result of that is that a lot more Zinfandel was planted and a lot of it to also make red wine, a, a Red Zin. So we, we can't really complain about that. Plus, we brought a lot of new wine drinkers on board uh, that may explore from a white to a red. Who all knows? Right. All right. I'm. I'm and, on board with that for yeah. sure. And of course, the uh, Zinfandel rose is different than a white Zin. It's one d- usually done dry, very much like, like m- most of them. Uh-huh. It's not the easiest one to do as a r- r- rose, but there is some done. But more likely, it's a, a red, normal extraction, dry balance, 13.5 to 14.5% alcohol. That's about as high alcohol as you get, right? Not much higher than that. Oh, not with Zinfandel, you can get a lot higher. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, with uh, the Zinfandel Claret, on the other hand, C-L-A-R-E-T. Not Claret, but Claret is the way the English pronounce it, because that, that was their name for the, the Bordeaux wines that came out of uh, the Grave area in, uh, the, in Bordeaux. And uh, so that style is one that uh, Mike Gergich, who also was from that, that part of the world, uh, really uh, kind of champion, so a lot of people like that. So it's done like a Bordeaux claret. And uh, so, and Milagro's is sellers is the other, uh, Milagro Vineyards is the other one that does a very good job of that. It's usually 
13 and a half uh, to 14 percent, the way he does it. Um, it's a much more refined wine. It's wonderful. It has some of the aspects you would expect in a, in a, in a grape like that. But again, the way it's done uh, at Malagro makes one of the best Zins I've ever had. But again, it's, it's one that pairs with so many more types of food uh, than the big jammy ones that some people have. And of course, that's the other one, the big jammy ones. A lot of people remember these most because they go, holy moly, did you taste this wine? It's like, wow, real head knocker. Well, and, the, the uh, head knocker, would that, would that mean it's higher than 15% or so? Uh, it can be up to 17%. Okay. Uh, which is way up there. Uh, I, the highest one I've had was a 16.5% from Eagle Castle, which was from Paso Robles. And I was amazed. I said, you know what? I'm not getting any heat from this. Mm-hmm. So they had, did enough extraction on it to, so that it balanced. The wine was still balanced, uh-huh. even though it was 16.5%. And I thought, like, okay, this is not one you're going to drink a whole bottle of, Jim. So Don't that, even try it. That's about as high as it'll go, though, 17% for uh, for the Zins? Yeah, well, it, it can't get beyond, beyond that because the yeast will, will give out. Okay. Uh, most yeast can't handle any alcohol above that level. I see. So yeah. there's cold temperatures. That caused the yeast to shut down, and there's high alcohol level that caused the yeast to shut down. I see. So, and you really don't want it higher than that. Come no, on, please no. don't do that. No, I don't. And then the last is the late harvest Zinfandel, um, and these are usually around 14 and a half, 15 percent. They're usually not higher than that, even though they have more. Um, you know, even though the uh, the sugar content is higher, the idea that they're going with is is, is to is to make it a little bit on the sweet side, make a dessert wine out of it. And uh, in fact, I've got one from uh, Soban that I was going to use for a nice chocolate dessert. Ooh, nice. What I like about the Le Harvest Zins over at Port, which, they're, which they taste similar to, yeah, tell is, me. is you taste the grape in a, a Port, which is, you know, is uh, going to have alcohol added to stop the fermentation. It's what we call a fortified wine, right? Okay. So it's, the taste is very different. And you're going to get different components. But in this, you still taste that wonderful Zinfandel grape, but with a little bit of sweetness to go with it. And, of course, they aren't done every year because uh, the conditions have to be perfect, you know, to actually do it. So you'll see every two or three years they'll come out with one. And uh, so the, the Soban is the one currently I've seen there. Occasionally, uh, Tobin James will do his liquid love. <laughs> Tobin always had the right names for these things. So, uh, the, the different areas where you can get Zinfandel, I'll just go through this part quickly because we want to get to the Mendocino area. But the Central Valley, I already mentioned, you know, that's that's a huge breadbasket for the, the United States. One more time, what was that? What was that area? Central Valley. Okay, Central Valley. Okay. Yeah. Not Central Coast, Central Valley. Okay. Very different. Okay. And, and it's, uh, and of course it's further inland. So, uh, it's a very warm area, so you can produce a lot of stuff and, and with some grapes, quite frankly, they overproduce them. They, they, the, if they have a grape that can, can produce a high yield, they'll go for it. Okay. Uh, and, uh, so these are not wines I'm particularly fond of, but Hey, you know, they're inexpensive. So there's, there's that going on. The Sierra foothills, you have the Amador and El Dorado. Two different areas. Uh, the Amador County, of course, is is uh, the actual origin of the first Zinfandels. Uh, the uh, old Grand Pere vineyards there is the oldest vineyard, and that's going back to the 19th century, late early 19th century. 
and uh, I've I've had Zinfandel from from there. That is unbelievably it's, good. It's, so it's is, just just yes. Is a Zinfandel is that a Croatian word? No, actually, since you asked, it tri- Tripadrag is the is the original name. Okay. Which, if I had that on a label of a wine, I wouldn't be that excited about it. No, people Tripadrag, wouldn't know. Uh, uh, Tripadrag, uh, huh? No, but it, it was called Zinfandel by the uh, the New England uh, viticulturists who who were looking. For, they were looking for a table grape, basically. Uh, not, okay. Not a wine grape, and uh, so they called it Zinfandel with a D A L. When it got out to California, uh-huh. they called it Zinfandel with a D-E-L. Uh-huh. So that was the one difference. And, of course, that's how it's known everywhere in California and everywhere else where that particular... Worldwide now, huh? Yeah. So it's a, it's a good name. And, of course, we can shorten it to Zin. Of course. Yeah. Zin Fantastic, Zin, you know, everything else. Zinzilla. Zin keeps it Zen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And Sin Zin. Uh, I mean, we... We played on that word so much, you'd almost think like, you know, maybe back way back in the day, they thought, what can we call this that is really going to catch on? Well, something with a little zing to it. Oh, how about Zinfandel? Oh, yeah, that's good. Let's go it's with that. Perfect. Yeah. It's perfect. Yeah. It's perfect. Yeah. Now, of course, these days we have to abbreviate everything and. Exactly. Make, so everyone knows which grape a zin is. All right. Yeah. Everyone knows. That's which is good. So anyway, other the, the Sierra foothills is a great area. Uh, Santa Cruz Mountains is another great area. There's only you know about nine acres dedicated to it, but they make some fine, fine ones. In fact, I was growing. Um, uh, I had sourced some uh, cuttings from uh, Congress Springs Winery when it was in business in the Santa Cruz Mountains because I used to live in the foothills there. And I was growing that, and I was, uh, unfortunately, when I left, the, the woman who bought it tore out the, the, the vines, oh, no. which was kind of upsetting. That but, sounds oh, criminal, <laughs> borderline criminal. Well, it, that wasn't part of our, our agreements when we, when we sold it. We said, you know, it's yours, whatever you're going to do with it. Anyway, uh, so I've been very impressed with those. Uh, Sonoma County, of course, that's a rich harvest of places, Dry Creek Valley, uh, which has you know which has some maritime influence. Uh, Alexander Valley, of course, is the warmest area for it, and but you've got the Rest River going through there as, as well, uh, going going north and south. So that kind of has a a influence on it, and of course that's the home of Sinzin, uh, which is which is Alexander Valley Vineyards, and I remember when we first went there and tried that wine, and we really loved it. So we ended up we we ended up buying cases every year. That they were doing this, this, and at you know at five dollars a bottle, wow. of course you would do that. Oh yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> in the good old days, right? <laughs> in the mid '80s, I would guess. So with that we've been a fan there. Sonoma Valley is another area, but that's more inland. So uh, again, most of the influence here comes from San Pablo Bay, as it does for the Carneros area, which is right right near it. So in, in this areas, you have uh, Kenwood and Ravenswood, are pr- probably two of the significant names. And, and I've had a number of Jack London Zinfandel wines, oh, right. <laughs> which are really nice. In fact, it's an embossed b- bottle with a wolf's head on it. Oh, excellent. Oh, yeah. So for, for, for a while, all the empties that they put in the back of the winery disappeared because people, cheap people, were just, just grabbing the empty bottles. It's a pretty see. bottle. Yeah. Absolutely. Just stick a candle in here, and this is really good. And, and of course, then the Western River Valley. There are some warmer areas where you will see the Zinfandel as well. 
And Paso Robles, we've talked about that many times. Uh, that is is a, a haven for the Zinfandel grape. And uh, several of the wineries there have four to eight different Zinfandel, you know, single vineyards. Uh, and they'll have usually a flagship one that's a combination of the best grapes. So that, that's, that is Zin heaven. Uh-huh. Uh, and in fact, a lot of the Zinfandel festivals are done there. So... Not too surprising. They have festivals centered around the Zinfandel itself, huh? Of course. Wouldn't you want one? <laughs> I, I, I'm having a festival right now. Let, exactly. Let you. That's exactly right. And and uh, so, so and again, Napa Valley. Um, these are really good, really structured, um, elegant wines, but they are more expensive. The mountain ones, Howe Mountain, and those are fabulous. But you're paying fifty to sixty dollars for a bottle. Mm-hmm. So. Just like everything else in Napa, it's expensive. And, of course, Lake County is is uh, is a new area that we're seeing more and more good wines coming from. A lot of people don't don't realize probably, but Clear Lake in Lake County, it's the largest inland body of water in the state of California. has a big influence on a lot of the wines there. And, in fact, some on going into Mendocino, close to where this wine came from. I see. So, okay. so you have maritime influences and Clear Lake influences, mm-hmm. which is kind of cool. And Lodi, of course, we all know, at one time, Lodi had about 60% of all the Zinfandel came from there. And, of course, a lot less now. Um, and since it was more of a source as opposed to having wineries, now there's uh, quite a, a, a winery community in Lodi area. And, of course, finally, of course, Mendocino County. So there's about 100 wineries here. Which is not a lot. If, if you consider um, other parts of California, that's that's not a high concentration, uh, and it is somewhat more remote than some of the other wine areas. Um, there's not much above Mendocino. Let's put it that way. So uh, that's uh, part of the probably part of the, the reason why there's there's less there. But the quality is absolutely there. And of course, when we discovered how great the wines from Anderson Valley were, that was a big focal point followed with the Yorkville Highlands area. And, of course, beyond that, then you have uh, Redwood Valley, Eagle Peak, and Potter Valley. These are up right off of Highway 101. If, if you recall, Highway 101 is the main uh, road that goes up through there, but it's an inland road. Uh, Highway 1, of course, is, is a fabulous road to take, um, which we've uh, been on many times. But uh, so th- this is more inland, and so it's a warmer area. And uh, so most of this is right above Ukiah. So midpoint, you got Hopland, which is which is big on beer in the past, as you could probably tell from the name. But there's a number of wineries there. And then also in the Ukiah area. And uh, Holy, of course, is, is actually located in Sonoma. But they source this particular, the grapes for this one in this particular uh, area. Okay, so the other areas that are important, as I mentioned, was the Mendocino Ridge. Okay. This is a fascinating area. It is the only non-contiguous AVA in America. And only peaks over 1,200 feet are included. It's it's like a series of islands, which are the top of these hills above the fog bank. And you can actually, if you're up on top of one of the hills, you can see it. And you can see where all the other wineries are. It's a huge area, though. It's 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 a it's a bigger area than most of the other AVAs, but but only about 1,200 acres uh, is grown. But this is where 
a lot of the grapes were planted from the 1850s, and some of the vineyards there have been in existence that long. So I'm hoping the next time on the show, uh, when we're we're doing more Zins, I can source one from there so we can try it. Oh yeah, sounds great. They should be really that, fabulous. That sounds heavenly. Mm-hmm. Well, you're close to heaven when you're up there. Let's put it that way. All right. So um, the other area is the Talmadge Bench, and this is a couple of miles east of U- of Ukiah, along Mills Creek Road. So we can identify that pretty area. It has a, a large concentration of Zinfandel wines planted by Italian immigrants, the early part of the 20th century. Uh, originally, it was designed for jug wines, but as the demand for quality uh, increased, so did the quality of the wines. So it's, when did, when did the demand for quality hit? When I mean, uh, it, it, in the the 70s. Okay. But but the time of the 70s, uh, at, at least in the U.S., a lot of people were really enjoying the wines a lot and and uh it, it was still a case where people were doing beer or cocktails uh-huh. and then oh let's have some wine too but now of course we, we we know what wine is a lot more popular uh and so when you have more demand for wine uh and more demand for quality guess what you get more quality coming out all right and that's exactly how that works so the, one of the comments I got from uh, Chris Sawyer of SawyerSom.com, obviously he's, he's a SOM, I believe he's a certified SOM. The preservation of Mendocino Ridge vines paid off when the natural intensity and distinct flavor profiles of fruit from the old vines was captured in a series of separate bottlings that were made by the Philo Base Admetis Winery. Uh, this is the one I was looking for, by the way. Uh, one of the pioneer brands of Anderson Valley, started by Dr. the late Dr. Donald Edmides and his family in 1972. The success of these wines inspired a new wave of vineyard plantings in the 1980s and 1990s, laid the foundation for Mendocino Ridge to become its own Appalachian in 1997. I see. So there's All that. Right. All right. So... So what we're tasting is the Holly 2017 Old Vine Zinfandel Mendocino. Uh, ABV, again, is 15%. From $25 to $35. I actually paid less than that for this because I went online for it. So I purchased this wine from John of the Jets, J-O-N, of the Reverse Wine Snob. Uh, and in fact, he and I have exchanged uh, emails. In fact, I sent him a co- copy of this script because he, he, he was interested in it. And uh, so anyway, he, that's one of my favorite online uh, wine shops to, to go with. He's very good with shipping wines, and he has some really intriguing wines and very reasonable prices. Excellent. That's always a good combination. Uh, and obviously the discounts for multiple, if you're buying multiple wines, as you would expect. The reverse wine snob. Right. The reverse wine snob. Okay. Yeah. Dot com, I believe. Yeah. So. Uh, again, these are it's from the Lucchetti Ranch Vineyard. It uh, definitely sounds Italian, um, and on the Russian River. So again, it has the Russian River influence as as well. It's actually close to the headwaters uh, of that area. Nine months in French and American oak, 698 cases produced. So again, I was lucky to snag these bottles. Oh, and I so am too. I'm lucky to. We're taste sharing it. one here, buddy. Here we are. <laughs> And it, it's good. We're all, and we actually had other friends here. They say, oh, yeah, let's try some of that. Okay. Um, when, when Kevin's here, of course, he, he decries using online uh, services. But I do use them if I find a unique wine that's not available locally. On occasion, a unique wine from an area I've not tried comes up. 
or I have dreamed of trying a wine from an area, and here it is. Should I pass up and hope it will show up locally? Of course not. <laughs> right. The, <laughs> okay. The, the power of the internet, huh? Yeah. I, I've, I, most of my stuff is local, but occasionally I have to go online. So don't feel bad about doing that. Sometimes that's the only way you're going to get the wine yeah, you I want. I don't feel too bad. How did we possibly get along without the internet, Jim? Uh, uh, well... We did very differently, <laughs> very differently. Well, somehow we got along, right? I would have spent, I've been spending so much time in libraries uh, to do all the research I've done on my novels and my wine books and my wine blogs. Wow. That, but uh, I, I can just sit at my desk, look out at the Sandia Mountains, <laughs> and just check out the website. Stay inspired and order some wine, too, while oh, yeah. you're at it. Absolutely. I love that. Just keep it flowing. So, uh, so comments on this uh, from the Wine Spectrum. Uh, the 2017 Old Vine Zinfandel boasts ripe fruit and many layers of complexity due to Mendocino's coastal climate. An aromatic bouquet of blackberry and cassis fill the glass. Flavors of red strawberries, boysenberry, and vanilla open to a velvety smooth mouthfeel backed by very little tannin and a good structural acidity. And it is. The, the, the tannins are very much in the background here. They're, they're, they're there because you can tell from the structure. And uh, uh, from Dan Dawson, uh, the, this gem of an old vine Zinfandel was grown on the 80-year-old vineyards along the side. So they, they give you the location right off the bat. Matured vines like these are extremely rare and are sought after for they produce less overall quality of fruit, allowing the existing clusters plenty of energy and sunlight to ripen and create a finer, more regal wine. So that's another description of that. Final one from Bottle Barn. The 50 to 60 year old. See, everyone's different about about the this uh, near uh, Calpella in northern Mendocino County. That is the lo location I found on Google Maps. Straightforward, uh, ripe red berry and plum fruit and background peppery and minty spice style. Spice style is easy to like. While being on the lighter side of Zinfandel, it does not let down in flavor and satisfaction. Medium light tannins, perky acidity, the fruit, herb, and spice flavors in unison. So basically you get, one of the reasons we do this is, is so you get to see everyone's perspective and what they're going to get from any bottle of wine is going to be different. Everyone's going to look at it differently. The time of day you taste it, your attitude at the time, temperature room. There's so many variables that go into this that expecting everyone to agree on a, on a wine would be asking for the impossible. Right. Let's just say. Uh, but anyway, this is, well, really, really nice. Uh, so some of the Mendocino uh, wineries that produce a Zinfandel that I would recommend. Um uh, Holly is based in, in, in Sonoma, as I, I said, but many of the ones that source the fruit, uh, other than, you know, a lot of the fruit is sourced from there. But uh, a lot of the, the wineries that are there do use a lot of the, the fruit. And the ones that do, including Edmides Winery that I mentioned, they're in uh, Philo, in this Anderson Valley, Philo uh, and Navarra are the two principal cities in that particular area. And... Um, that, that was, uh, as I said, Dr. Uh, Donald Edmides uh, was one of the ones that focused on the wines in the Mendocino Ridge. Uh, so we can really thank him for a lot of that, in, that investigation and spotlight. Uh, Brutaco Family Vineyards. This is one of my absolute favorites. Uh, and, and some of their wines are available online as well. 
B-R-U-T-A-O-C-A-O. That was that was one of the best wine tasting experiences I had there. And I tried all their wines. They had a, a, a huge tasting area. They could have accommodated 80 people or more in it. And uh, it, it's been family-owned for a long time, obviously an Italian family. And they do everything quite well. I had a Bordeaux blend from them that I shared with some, some friends at a local restaurant. And the, the, the guy at the restaurant poured some for him. He said, oh, that's that's unbelievably <laughs> good. So I highly re- recommend them. And McNabb uh, Ridge uh, Winery. Uh, this is winemaker uh, Rick Parducci. Par- Parducci is one of the early pioneers in this area. So he comes from really good stock. Um, and uh, so th- they've been a fixture in Mendocino for a long time. And they, they do a number of wonderful zins, single vineyards, et cetera. And finally, the Graziano family vineyards. And, of course, they source a lot of theirs from the, the warmer Redwood Valley. So those are a couple of the areas you can expect uh, to, to get really good ones. But, of course, the wineries, wherever they're located, they're sourcing the grapes in there. They bring them to the table there. You get to try them, see what you think. Okay. Uh, so that's uh, so. What, what was your, your impression of this one when you first tasted it? When I first tasted it, it was uh you know some I I, I felt uh, felt some or tasted some fruit coming through. I didn't catch I didn't catch the strawberry as much, but you know to me it was uh, when I was learning what balance was last week. This seemed a lot more balanced to me than the than the newbly newbly last last oh, yeah. week. Is that what that was? Right. Yeah. How about you? Does that is that well, you concur with that? Is it seem, this well, one seem a little it, more balanced? I, in a way, it is. The uh, Nebbiola um, is um, that particular one was still kind of young, okay. um, and uh, so usually they are not in balance early on because the tannins are so high. Mm-hmm. So you have to wait for the tannins to integrate into it before it's truly balanced. Uh-huh. So it was vinified for that in mind. Okay. So, so yeah, it, it, it's so some wines are just when they're really young, you don't really want to drink them because you're you're not going to get what they really have to offer. They're, they're, they're still in their infancy. You have to wait for them to get a little bit more mature. So, I mean, that's what's going on. But um, you certainly got less of a tannic backbone going oh, on. Oh, yeah, in, definitely, in yeah. One. And yeah. then uh, I have to tell you, my, that was my first impression. My second impression, after having some of the, some of your your famous mushroom cheese, <laughs> man, my, and then I took another sip that – and my palate just exploded. It was a, a whole different experience after oh, yeah. having some of the mushroom cheese. Well, and yeah, it it's the, not just the, the, the cheese, which is a nice breed. Uh, this is, again, one of our favorite Trader Joe's. Um, we recommend them a lot. It's um, This is their triple cream breed trees, cheese with wild mushrooms. And in fact, when Eddie first tried it, he actually identified the mushrooms. <laughs> so I, I didn't realize you were a mushroom. Wait, he knew what kind of mushroom it was. Yeah, huh? yeah, he, he he could tell from the flavor. Uh, I was very good. impressed. That is. Uh, but then he is an impressive guy. Anyway, so um, yeah, it, it's it's a wonderful combination, uh, and uh, th- uh, and this in particular because of the acidity and it, it really works nicely with the triple cream. Uh, normally, like the Nebbiolo we had the last time, uh-huh. I, I think it, it would have a little more trouble uh-huh. working with it. But this this wine and this cheese, well, that's what I tried to do. Oh obviously. yeah, oh it's, you, it worked for me. <laughs> I, my my, like I said, my palate just exploded when I when I combined the two. 
And it was, and I'm really hungry. It's almost, it's way past my lunchtime. I'm, I'm ready to get ready to. Yeah, I'm I, ready I, to uh, feast. Yeah, I, I can believe that. Okay, so we have a little time for a second segment, which is good because I, this is really going to be a fun one for you, I think. Uh, segment two: How do you drink your wine? Okay, uh, so th- this again, I was sparked by a recent article, a uh, link from, uh, you know, that I, I, I have a lot of links out there, so I read a lot of articles, obviously, and this one really got my attention. Uh, so this is what I'm going to concentrate on now. So this is from NewYorkStudyFinds.org, um, and uh, Chris Malore was the one who wrote this up, and he says, are you drinking wine correctly? There's a good chance you're not. Uh, horrors. A new study finds eight in ten people don't follow traditional wine etiquette. What? That many, huh? That's oh, what wow. they said. Oh, wow. uh, now, now, of course, we have to factor this in with other things, but wine. Uh, what is wine etiquette? Of course, when we talk about wine etiquette, this is not like Mrs. Manners that you're, you know, that you, you have your forks in the right place. This is but wine etiquette is very vital to really enjoying wine. So we, we kind of know that. According to a recent survey of 2,000 U.S. respondents, over 21, 67% believe there are right and wrong ways to drink wine. However, only 17% make sure as to always swirl and sniff their drink. Okay. Uh, conducted by one poll on behalf of Woodbridge Wines, the survey also found that nearly three-fourths enjoy wine at least three times a week, with those over 65 drinking it more often than the younger group. I see. Well, I could attest to that part, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. But that's because I also became a psalm. And anyway, uh, obviously it didn't include me in the poll. But one, one should also factor that this is likely to be folks that drink Woodbridge wine, uh-huh. okay, since they sponsored it. It's, uh, if it had been conducted by Silver Oaks, I think the responses might be a little different. I could be wrong about that, but I'm, I'm just guessing on that. But, you know, Woodbridge is still a, a, a popular and decently made wine at its price point. So we'll, we'll, we'll go with that. But here are the takeaways. Okay, you ready for this? I'm ready. It is. Top ways Americans reject wine etiquette. Drinking white wine at room temperature instead of chilled, 46%. Mm. Okay, holding a glass by the bowl rather than the stem. Oh, I see that all the time. Yep, 44%. Okay, adding ice to wine. Oh, my gosh. 43%. Ah, ah. Okay, filling their glass to the top. Whoa, people actually do that? That I haven't seen as much. 34%. uh, No, uh, 42%. It's really pathetic. Uh, Sniffing the cork. Hmm. 36%. That's not done. Yeah. That is not done. <laughs> okay. Tasting the wine while wearing strong scented perfume or aftershave, 34%. Oh, I didn't even think about that one. Yeah. Well, they, they did. Drinking wines out of order. That you know, we're doing a red uh, before the whites, the sweets before the dry. And uh, that's about 32%. Drinking without looking, swirling, or sniffing, 32%. Wow. I, I, I feel like this should be the beginning of every show we do, Jim, it's like to remind people of the of the Ten Commandments here. Uh, absolutely. This next one will floor you. Gulping wine down quickly, 25%. Oh, my gosh. Ah. And pairing wine with non-traditional food, 19%. Okay. You can probably imagine that I have some comments about each of these, and you'd be right. Uh, so let's start with the first one. Drinking white wine at room temperature instead of chilled. Okay. First of all, room temperature is the temperature of the room you're in, okay? 
If it's a meat locker, your wine might be too cold. Okay. If you're in a sweat lodge, it's probably going to be bubbling. So when they say room temperature, what do we mean? Well, I think we usually mean around 72%. Okay. So if that's the case, then your wine is going to be unbalanced. Uh-huh. Okay. It's going to be too, too warm. Uh, and it's going to taste a little bit more alcoholic, uh-huh. uh, which has always happened. Wines are warmer. They, the alcohol is, is more obvious, and that unbalances it. We were already talking about balancing the wine, so we, we know that that's not good. And uh, the, fruit may, uh, the fruit may taste more stewed than bright. Okay, please don't do this with a Montrachet Grand Cru. Please, and if you do, don't tell me. Uh, I don't want to hear it. Holding glass by the stem. By the bowl, rather than a stem. If these are the same people drinking room at room temperature, wait until they get to the bottom of the glass and the wine is bubbling, okay? Because it's now really <laughs> going to be warm. Or if not, why did your taste wine taste so fresh on first sip, but now seems kind of mediocre? Okay, because you warmed it up beyond where it should have been. Savages. Did you ever notice that they, they have these little vessels that they put the white wines in so that they will stay chilled? What do you think they're doing that for? Anyway, uh, so anyway, now, your only excuse is if the host gives you stemless glassware. I don't like stemless glassware. I'm sorry. If you have people that are really going to trip over the glass, then maybe you should give them that as a learner. But just the same, uh, this, is, this is not good. A training glass, huh? A, a training glass, right. That, that's what it would be. <laughs> okay. Adding ice to wine. And I did have one guest that, that did this, but she apologized in advance and said, I, I need to add ice to my... Apparently, that was something she always had to do. I can't believe we even have to go over that one. Uh, a lot of people, obviously, from the fact that uh, 43% do that, it's like, okay... It's not a concentrate. Yeah, it's, no, it's not. It's not. <laughs> so anyway, I, I refrained from giving her another glass of the wonderful white burgundy that I was pouring, okay? I figured you aren't going to appreciate that anyway. But that's, that's just me. Anyway, uh, when, but wine is not a cocktail, okay? You don't put ice in wine. It's not a cocktail, okay? Let me say that again. Wine is not a cocktail, all right? If it was not served at the proper temperature, send it back. Okay, so it is chilled, and I've done that before, too. Um, More likely, someone actually wants the wine too cold to actually taste the fruit, or they need it watered down, okay? Neither of those are good options when we talk about wine appreciation. Just saying, okay? Right. Okay, so... It's not church. Don't water down the wine. No. Filling a glass to the top, 42%. Yeah, I'd say perhaps a beer mug is what you actually need so you can snag a pint of wine. If this is a, at a, a someone's house and you're trying to make sure you get all the wine you can pouring into your glass, and then you're going to spill some of it, right? This is even worse. I mean, come on. don't do, the Wine needs room to breathe, okay? And so, and the other thing is I don't want to be near you if you're going to swirl your wine, if it's full glass, all right? Because you, you probably don't aren't good at swirling either. <laughs> or maybe you wouldn't swirl, in which case then that wouldn't be a problem. Anyway, um, un- unless you're one of those that does not swirl and gulps the wine instead, then probably filling it to the top is exactly what you need to do. So you can em- empty it and go back for another full glass later. Uh, has anyone explained to you that this is not beer? Uh, just, just suggesting. Anyway, sniffing the cork, 36%. 
Well, at least you're sniffing something, okay? Even if it's not the wine. But I would recommend sniffing the wine. That's where you really need to have your nose, not into the cork. Unless you really are into cork, in which case I suggest you chew it. Uh, But (laughs) what we check for is a damaged, dried out, or rotted cork. This is a visual check, not an olfactory one. Okay, friends? Yeah, you, you... when they present the, the cork in a restaurant, they, they want you to examine it to see if there's any problem with it, okay? And usually, the, if it's a psalm pouring, if he sees a bad cork, he's going to say, uh, I need to go back get and get another, another bottle. Because right? yeah. you already know it's going to be not so good. Okay, tasting wine while wearing strongly scented perfume or aftershape. Strongly, we're talking about. Uh, if folks don't stand near you in an elevator, your perfume might be too strong. Of course, these days, people cower in the opposite corner when someone else enters. But unless this is your way of enforcing social distancing, uh, leave the smelly stuff at home. Just my, my suggestion. If you find yourself saying, this wine is very aromatic, almost like Old Spice. Oh, that's what I'm wearing. Okay. <laughs> You've been warned. Okay. <laughs> Drinking wines out of order. Okay. Uh, again, at a, at, at a party or wine tasting event, Normally, uh, at a party, people are drinking them in any order they want. It's whatever they see next they're going to grab. So we, we kind of know that. But in a wine tasting, they usually enforce a discipline. We start with the dry whites, then we go to the dry reds, and then for the sweet wines, we go with them afterwards. It's The, the thing is, you don't want your palate ping-ponging back and forth between those. It's just very distracting. But if you, if you do have to do it out of order, and occasionally that does happen, uh, you, you just someone you know you've been drinking the the uh, red wine and then someone later brings a Montrachet. Are you not going to go back and try it? Right. I would, of course. But drink some water first. You know, kind of clear your palate a little bit so it's not it doesn't have to do too much adjustment. So would a would a rosés fall after the dry reds or would that be a, or is that considered a dry red? Uh, well, a lot of rosés actually are dry, um, and you could do the if if you had a rosé in there, you could do that after the whites. Okay. Yeah, and you know, of course, there are some rosés uh, that are really extracted anyway, so uh-huh. you can include them with the with the the, the red wines. And then, what about uh, other fruit wines? Have they fall after the reds? After the a lot of the fruit-based wines, other than grape. Uh huh. Uh, usually are on the sweet side, uh-huh. so they would be last. Okay. Yeah, unless that's all you got. All right. Uh, and there's a couple of places that just do fruit base other than than grape. Okay. Um, and and make wines from it. A lot of time they are, um, on the dry on the sweet side. Yeah. Drinking without looking, swirling, or sniffing, thirty-two <laughs> percent. Okay. Do you need a blindfold? I mean, what's going on here? Uh, <laughs> You're going to miss at least 50% of what the wine delivers, and you haven't prepared yourself properly for what it is. Uh, so what's going to deliver on your on your palate? Just, at the very least, check the color, okay, so you know what color wine you're drinking. That should be the least, at least. And, did you, and, uh, and if you were doing it without looking at it, did you miss a bit of cork floating in your wine? I'll bet you claim your wine is chewy. <laughs> Right. Okay, so really look. I, I mean, yeah, this is the basic stuff. First thing, you look at the color. That's going to already tell you something. Picking it in a rosé, right? A very lightly colored rosé means it's probably going to be less extracted and therefore going to be more on the dry side. So, you know, you get a lot of clues from the visual. And, of course, the swirling, make sure the wine is opened up. Gulping wine down quickly, 25%. 
I know you want to get this unpleasant task of actually tasting the wine before the alcohol finally hits. But might I advise a couple of shots of tequila instead? Less gulping, okay? (laughs) (laughs) And finally, pairing wine with non-traditional foods, 19%. This one I'm actually okay with as long as you're experimenting. Uh, But if you haven't figured out why your filet of soul and Zinfandel will never fly together after the first glass, try drinking without food. Oh. <laughs> that would be my suggestion there. Okay. So, what do you? So, did some of this kind of uh, surprise you when you looked at this survey? I I'm a surprise. Yeah, I'm actually. You know, to be honest, thinking about it, no, I'm not surprised. Mm-hmm. I'm not surprised. You know, I'm I'm an amateur, mm-hmm. and even I knew uh, most of those rules. Yeah. And yeah, I see them broken all the time. Yeah. I'm trying, you know, trying, you know, I I like people to do their thing. I like to give people their their freedom to do whatever, but but when there's a way, when there's a known way to do something, I kind of like to uh I like kind of like to show people that I I know I know what's going on. Yep. I want to be in the club. Yeah. It says, "Hey, Eric looks like he knows wine. Let's get let's we have a nice bottle. Let's let's share some of it with Eric. Yeah, maybe we'll get to share some <laughs> some some extra special treats. Absolutely. So yeah, this this is when it is that this is the so the one we're doing is a Holly Old Vine Zinfandel, Mendocino County. Uh, again, if if you've overlooked Mendocino County for Zinfandel, there are some very special areas here you should try. We mentioned the Mendocino Ridge, uh, which is going to be a little bit hard to find, but you'll also find a number. Um, from the uh, a number of wines like the Bertaco you can find and Edmides is you, you can get the regular Mendocino Edmides here. Uh, I was almost going to grab one of those from Total Wine, but then I thought no, I I, I wanted a better a, a contrast with the Mendocino Ridge. Okay, all right. Because I, I had a feeling that the the regular one is going to be fairly similar to this. And when we do more than one wine, we we like to you know contrast them, and see well what was this style like or or what was this area like versus this area, because uh-huh. they they can be distinctly different, which is part of the fun of doing this. So uh, a- anyway, so we 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 did get Eric set up with one of my wine books. Uh, when I was clearing out one of my places, I actually found I still had about sixty copies of it around. So right, yeah, I can't wait to get in there. The wines of enchantment, right? A guide to finding and. Enjoying the Wines of New Mexico by Jim Hammond. That's it. All right. I, I, I think I've seen this book. Have I seen this book at the bookstore in Old Town? You might have. I, I, we actually did a, a couple of, uh, we, we did a number of book signings years ago when that first came out, uh-huh. uh, 2012. It's a, it's, it, it's a little bit out of date, but most of the, the big wineries that you'd be going to are in there and listed and, and defined. And there's also a primer in the first part of it that basically talks about all these things, about how to enjoy wine. And the, the idea is, and that's one of the reasons why we're in the show, is is to deal with those percentages of people who are not really appreciating the wine and then wondering why they just don't enjoy it. And it's just like like everything else, it takes some focus. Paying attention to your palate, number one. That's, that's a, a key element always. What do you like and what do you not like? Write some of it down, okay? If you, if, you, if you want to enjoy wine more, take some notes about what you like. And, and eventually you'll discover the wines that really float your boat. 
that just really excites you and, and, and just gets you trembling with excitement when the next bottle is going to be open. Oh, sounds and good. And that's where you should be with, with wine. You should be. And, and remember, every one of these times you taste a wine, it's going to be different. Even if it's the same bottle you had before, each time you try it, it's going to be different. Wine is a living thing. And it evolves and changes as we do over time. It's one of the most wondrous beverages, if not the best beverage on this planet. You should be treating it with some respect, following wine etiquette, and enjoying it for all it's worth. Right. Take your time. Don't forget to swirl and sniff. Remember, take your time. There's no rush, no gulping. Mm -mm -mm. Hold it by the stem. Right. All those things that we talked about. Right. No whites at, at uh, warm temperatures, right? You want your whites chilled. Exactly. The, the white, yeah, in fact, that's one of the standard things is, is even in a restaurant, a lot of times the whites are, are served too cold, and the, or, or, or rather not cold enough, and the reds are served too, too warm. Uh-huh. Uh, so, and that's another thing. If, if you're in a, a restaurant and, and they serve you a, a glass of white wine and it is too warm, tell them, take it back. It should have been more chilled. Don't be ashamed to send yeah. it back. And if they even think about putting ice in it, just uh, just reach over the counter and bop them over the head. Right. That's not acceptable. No, no, you can't do that. And and it's the same thing with, with red wines. I mean, there's an optimum temperature for every wine. Um, and it usually varies within a few degrees of its optimum. You don't necessarily have to have it as optimum, but the closer it gets, the more enjoyment you get from the wine. So uh, the wine temperature is important. And there are wine bracelets you can get that you put on the bottle uh, that basically give you the temperature so you can you know. Um, I, I'm at the point now where I can tell exactly what the temperature is because I've been doing it long enough. Uh-huh. But if you're, if you're kind of new at this, and the other thing you can try, if you don't blame me on this, try it at different temperatures and take notes what it's like. Uh, after 10 minutes, try it again. It's warmer now. What does it taste like now? You're going to see that the wine responds to temperature as your palate does. So take that into consideration. And as always, we're here to make your enjoyment of wine better uh, by what we can come up with here that uh, to share with you that are new areas you can you can venture in and new exciting wines you can try always sounds good to me all right sounded good to me that's why i said it okay so eric's gonna go back and he's going to um finish up this this uh, show for us um and uh hope you have enjoyed this one as we've done many others and uh be good to yourselves enjoy your wine enjoy your family and your friends share all of that with them. Long, long time ago I can still remember How that music used to make me smile And I knew if I had my chance That I could make those people dance And maybe they'd be happy for a while But February made me shiver With every paper I deliver Bad news on the doorstep I couldn't take one more step 